Hi, it's Dave. Welcome. Today, I'm joined by John Gibbs. He runs a YouTube channel called Dr. Know-It-All. He's been on my channel a few times. He covers Tesla um, AI, Tesla's FSD, and Optimus. He's come up with some great videos of late. And I wanted to invite John back on the show to talk about Tesla's next generation, perhaps $25,000 car that they've been talking about. John, welcome back. Um, how have you been? I've been great. It's wonderful to be back on the channel again, and I hope you've been doing well as well. I hear you've been traveling some, and I guess you're in California now. Is that correct? Yes, yes. In California this awesome. week, next week in Mexico, in two weeks back in Texas. So wow. taking, making the rounds. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, awesome. John, the, yeah, the reason why I wanted to uh, bring you on and talk about um, the next generation Tesla vehicle is because um, you made a video kind of re reflecting on your design ideas that you had a few years ago about the robotaxi. And I thought right. they were it was actually super impressive. And I was um, wanted to show my audience and the Tesla community more about your design and your ideas. So I figure, let's take this format. Let's um, first set the context of why this is important. Second, we'll review okay. your designs. And then third, let's go into right. why you chose some of the, the decisions that you, you did. So first off, the context of why this is important. So Elon Musk at the last conference call, uh, earnings conference call, he said that Tesla is done with the Cybertruck design, they're done with the semi design. Now they're focused on the next generation platform design. And this is gonna be, um, he says, um, they're aiming for half the cost, half the effort, half the factory floor space, twice the output, some crazy, crazy ambitious claims here. And I think if Tesla meets these expectations or even gets close is going to be a complete game changer. I don't think many people are really understanding the ramifications of a car that's half the price, right, um, of a Model 3 and Model Y right now. Um, yeah, but first off, what are your kind of general thoughts on this? Like, how important is this next gener generation platform? Well, I, I mean, it's, okay, so, so the <laughs> I don't think it can be overstated how important this next generation platform is uh, and and whether or not they sell this to the public. And I'm still not absolutely convinced they really will ever sell this car because I think that what they'll what they would rather do is they would rather own this and as a fleet and rent it and stuff. But whatever it is, whether they sell it and they sell in the tens of millions or whether they keep it as a fleet and they operate it themselves and just make even more money out of that, it's going to be a massive part of this. And in the medium term, I think like we're talking Cybertruck comes next and then Optimus eventually will be absolutely huge. But in that intermediate area, this this Model 2 or it's not going to be called a Model 2, but it's just yeah. convenient to talk about it that way. But that's going to be the real, real uh, that's going to be the money maker in the in the medium term for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, let's see. Let's go ahead and um, jump into your design ideas that you had from few years ago. Um, yeah, and we'll go ahead and yeah check them out right now. Well, you can see this takes a lot of cues from the Cybertruck. The uh, the most obvious one is that it's a stainless steel body, and it's uh, you know the the sort of exoskeleton idea. But I guess the, the next most obvious thing is that you've got passengers sitting in a front back sort of uh, configuration. And the reason why I wanted to go that direction was because I was thinking, what could be the most compact shape that you could fit four passengers in it? Now, you know, again, this is 
just my concept of this. Uh, but but the reason why I ended up sort of resurrecting this video and talking about it recently was because of your conversation with James Dalma, because he started talking about, oh, this needs to be stainless steel. It needs to not have paint. It needs to be all of these things in order to fulfill Elon Musk's mission. You know, what, what Elon said at, at Uh, he was basically saying, look, we have to have everything. We have to make this very, very simple to make. And if you have complex shapes and you have paint that's necessary and you have many different models, then it all of those things increase the cost and complexity of building this. So what's the absolutely simplest thing to make? It would be this. And then, you know, at the time there wasn't really, uh, let's see if I can do like a kind of semi-transparent thing here. But uh, so here you've got like, you know, kind of being able to see through what's going on. At the time, there were no structural battery packs two years ago, and there wasn't the single piece casting at that time either. But at this point, I think that this car, at least something like this size, could potentially be made in one single casting, like the whole bottom part. And, and I was saying in my recent video where I was talking about this, that the battery could be a structural battery pack that would be placed into a relatively thin middle layer because what you you would just create something that you were stamping out that just had enough structure so it would hold together and not warp while you were building it but then you would put the batteries in it put the foam sealant in it put the top on it and the whole middle part would become extremely rigid at that point um and then the front and back pieces are are executed the same as something like a model three or something like that um again i i <laughs> As I look at this, I'm like, yes, this is a really fantastic design. I don't know. The the big thing that I, I found out feedback from people when I showed them this is I don't think people are going to want to ride backwards in a car. I disagree with that because people ride backwards in buses. They ride backwards in trains. Uh, you know, they, they ride backwards in jump seats in cars. If you ever get like those third row seats sometimes that like the kids sit backwards in, you know, mm -hmm. so, so there is a precedent for that. Uh, but the big reason for this was that I wanted to get rid of that sort of every time you have a mini car, it just looks like it has a front that goes like this. And then the back is a straight drop off. Mm -hmm. And number one, that's wasted space. But number two, it's just aerodynamically incredibly inefficient. So this becomes a much more efficient shape to make this. And uh, I guess I didn't capture from from this angle. You've got a single motor here. And there's, uh, you know, you can see crumple zones and things. I put in run flat tires. I don't know if they would do that. I think if it's a robo taxi, they probably would, just so that they wouldn't have to ever have it, you know, <laughs> have it at the side of the road. It could keep going. But, uh, but yeah. So yeah. I think that this is a, a reasonable attempt at a design, and you would only have to ever make one of these. There's, you know, you can have any yeah. color you want as long as it's stainless steel gray. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no two motors. No performance variation. It's what it is. So yeah, so you can see, and the, the people in here, they're just human models. They're like mannequins. So they're there for uh, for reference to get a sense of the scale of of the vehicle. But let me see if I can find the layer that has, let's see, this one. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, obviously this is very crude, but, um, and I had this as a vertical thing. That's a mistake. <laughs> it would definitely be horizontal at this point. But the idea would be that there would be a single motor in the front. You've got all of your, you know, electronics and everything. And then the battery is underneath. And the purple part here 
is the uh, is the luggage. So what you're doing is you're trading the luggage space off between putting it in the back of the car and putting it in the middle of the car. And if I open up the body again, you'll see that the doors are actually relatively symmetrical. So you would enter, the door would actually open backwards for the people you know, going into the back seat, which would make it easy to put in uh, luggage in between the two seats. And then there would also be hatchback back here so nice big view, <laughs> but there's a hatchback uh, back here so you can open it up. So so essentially what would happen is, and my idea is that the seats don't fold down on top of each other. You actually can slide the seats forward and do like this. So you can actually create a very flat, very large space in the back if you need to for hauling. So it's a fairly, you know. Can you can you uh, rotate that to the vehicle. front? So right now we're the back, right? Yeah. So let's go to the front. Yes, that's, yeah, and this is the front. I thought the kind of side. Oh, that's the front. Yeah, this is the front here. Uh, okay, can you go to the back? Oh, okay, that's the front. So the front is the white yeah. headlights and the back is the red. Right, right. Okay, got it. it. So the back is just the, the red bar and the front is the is the white. But I thought it would look kind of cool to have the Cybertruck like bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. and then actually I have, uh, I believe I put in a little bit of like white trim on the sides, but just for fun. So the idea would be that maybe you'd have like little white bars on the side, but probably that would be illegal. Uh, the mm -hmm. other thing you'll notice is that I've gotten rid of the, um, there's no side view mirrors. Mm, yeah. Uh, hopefully at some point Tesla and other companies will be allowed to not have to have side view mirrors. So yeah, yeah. makes sense. All right. So um, let's go into some of the design decisions. Um, your thought processes on what you, why you chose what you did. So first off, it seems like the most significant might be the, the folded stainless steel. Um, that allows, right. I think, first, the removal of the paint shop and all the paint processes, which is huge. Second, right. it removes um, some of the, the stamping presses for the body panels. Um, what, can you kind of dive into more of that decision? Are there any other benefits? Sure. Are there any other cons that we're not looking at here? Um, well, and, and I think again, if they can manage, it depends on the size of this and I don't know if they can, but if they can manage a single piece underbody casting, think about like, I mean, <laughs> you get rid of like, so, you know, he's talking about half the processes that would get rid of a lot of the processes. You don't even have to attach anything together. You just stamp it out, fill it with batteries and go. But I think if you think about body panels, they're useless. They're, they're not structural. Like um, the traditional aluminum body panel on the outside of a car. Uh, they're not structural. They don't do anything for the car. They're just kind of hung onto the car to make it look attractive. And when you're talking about, especially if with the taxi idea and people don't actually own these vehicles, who do you care whether your yellow cab, you know, what, is, what, is it, what does it matter what it looks like or even honestly what your Uber looks like or anything? So, uh, so you know, people don't care so much about what something like that looks like. They just care that it gets them from point A to point B. And so the the getting rid of the the, the pretty, I think, what was it J James said? He said, your, your pride and joy, right? You know, my, my Tesla Model Y is kind of like that. It's very precious to me. I don't want anybody to dent it, which is another advantage, by the way. But, but you know, but like when you don't own the vehicle and you're only using it for transportation, you don't have that sort of. I want this to look super attractive thing. So I think they can just completely scrap the aesthetics aspect and go with form follows function. And, and so, yeah, I think that's a major advantage and that allows them, I mean, <laughs> think about how many fewer parts they have by doing that. It's just every single one of those panels is stuff you don't even need to create at all and paint and all yeah. of that other stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot less probably, you know, welding, putting the panels onto the, onto the car. Um, right. What other, um, kind of 
uh, challenges do you think? I mean, I'm guessing with Cybertruck, they're going to be looking to, you know, hash out some of the the hiccups they have with the stainless steel, but hopefully they'll be able to really nail that. Um, Are you anticipating any challenges Tesla might might have with with, uh, stainless steel? Uh, (laughs) That's going to be interesting because I think one of the problems with stainless steel is it's very, very strong. So... uh, I, I don't know if they've dealt with NHTSA yet, but the whole idea of regulatory, like there has to be crumple zones and stuff. So mm. that's that's a whole thing. That's an engineering thing. I'm sure they can figure that out. But the actual manufacture of the steel is going to be, I imagine, a pretty reasonable challenge to do at scale because um, they're going to need pretty big machines and they're going to have to be pretty precise in terms of the angles that they fold them in. And yeah. they may have to do some sort of pre-machining to create sort of like, you know, areas where they will bend automatically um, or, you know, favor that the bend at that particular point. So I imagine those are all significant challenges. And but the fact of the matter is, I don't know about when they announce this car, but certainly before they produce this car, they're going to have made 500,000 to a million Cybertrucks probably. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So if if they do a design with stainless steel, and they've got the, the Cybertruck ramped up and working. There's no reason why they couldn't um, have uh, they, they couldn't have this working. It just seems like yeah. that would be a process that would actually be easier on a smaller car than a bigger car. Uh, yeah. There's less of it that they have to deal with. So yeah, yeah. it seems like the Cybertruck is kind of like, like the warm up um, to yeah. this uh, <laughs> next generation Robotaxi. Like, right. you know, right. the Cybertruck is cool, but it, it's got a limited market, you know, mostly yes. North America, yes. mostly truck market. We're probably right. what maxing out at somewhere between 300 to 500,000 vehicles per year with Cybertruck maybe. Right. Um, but so it doesn't move the needle completely um, in terms of Tesla's yeah. long-term future, but this next generation platform, I mean, how many cars do you, and, like foresee, you know, Tesla being able to sell on this uh, smaller, cheaper platform? Well, so I don't think $25,000 is reasonable anymore given inflation, but let's say 30,000 instead. Um, So, but I mean, but you're looking at what's the cheapest model three right now. It's pretty close to 50 grand, right? So, and you look at exponential increase in demand as you Mm -hmm. drop the price linearly. So, I, I don't think, I think it'll be as many as they can make. <laughs> I, I mean, 10 million yeah. a year would not be at, at all surprising if they can make this thing for, if they could sell it for like 29,999 or something like that, right? So if they can come in just under $30,000, I think they could easily sell uh, 10 million of these vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. Without um, question. So it seems like one of the most controversial parts of your design is this rear-facing seats, right? Yes. And I totally understand the, the idea because if you put the people's heads in the middle, then you, you can kind of shape the car more aerodynamically. Right. Um, if you right. stick them in the back, then the back has to be higher, which compromises exactly. that aerodynamics. And I think Tesla does have like this really strong fixation focus priority on aerodynamics. Um, I remember when the Model Y came out and I was right. hoping for it to look a little more boxy at the end, like a typical SUV. <clears throat> right. And I remember um, at, a, at some Tesla event, I was, I was asking Franz about why he didn't make it just even a little bit more aerodynamic or more boxy, right? Right, um, right. And he was like basically saying that Tesla is so focused on aerodynamics. It's crazy. <laughs> right. Like every yeah. minute thing they can do to get 
eke out a little bit more on aerodynamics they'll do. And so he was basically saying like, you know, it's very purposely built or designed, right? Um, to have the best design for the best aerodynamics. And I think, right. you know, that's interesting. And that's where like, I think most people might discount your design with the rear facing seats. But if you look yeah. at it through the lens of pure aerodynamics, um, it could make sense. And the second thing, which, which is interesting is if it's a robo taxi, um, most, let's say it's mostly used for a robo taxi. I don't know if, if they'll sell right. it, but if they use it for a robo taxi, most of the rides will be probably one or two people. Um, and so they'll sit in the front probably. And so right. the rear right. will be used probably, I don't know, less than 25% of the time, or I don't, you yeah. know, for the third and fourth passengers. So right. it's less, which, which of, might often be children in that case. And children yeah. don't care. <laughs> yeah. Children are happy to ride whichever way they want to. Right. So that yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that's, that's a pro. I mean, on the other side, I, I think Tesla could, you know, do forward facing rear seats. Um, it would, Right. change the des your design to make it more right. you know higher on the back lose some aerodynamics but it could be right. more comfortable but i don't yeah it's not a it, it is a, ch a change but i don't know if it's the the biggest um right. most important uh difference or change. no the big thing in my mind and i was designing this around the 2013 mini cooper i wanted it yeah. to be the same dimensions as that and that's a very small car yeah and and it has two back seats so you know this might honestly be something that would be sold like this in europe uh, mm -hmm. or in other areas of the world where they care a lot more about the size of the vehicle because yeah. this vehicle is really compact. Yeah. It's substantially smaller than, in, in terms of like the length of it, it's substantially smaller than a Model 3 and Model Y. So it, it's to make it as short as, so if you, if you then had a version that you could stretch out, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So it's like you, you could have the same basic idea and still have the back end go like this yeah. and have the hatchback sort of thing. But if it was more stretched out, you could put the, 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 back seats front facing in that case. So yeah. I could see two versions of this, one with a more stretched out um, middle part and one with a really compact middle part. The, in yeah. my, the, the whole sort of design idea of this was how inexpensively could you make this car? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So you gotta have the dimensions small so you have less materials, you only have one model, there's no choices, everything is just you know the same thing. And, and the stainless steel gets rid of the paint shop and gets rid of the body panels and all of that stuff that you have to build. So, so that was the really strong motivation in my mind. But if you were like, okay, we need one for the American market that's bigger and because people just like bigger cars in the, in the US market, in the North American market, right? So, you know, if you did that, then sure, you could have one with, that had front facing seats, but still had the kind of wing across the back of it to create that aerodynamic shape. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the size of the this next generation platform, like, will it be on this really small kind of like, you know, this um, Mini Cooper size, or will it be a right. little bit bigger, maybe in between that and a Model 3? Um, I guess for North America, you probably want to go a little bit bigger. Um, the rest of the world, right. you know, they might... Uh, they might prefer or they don't care, you know, um, in terms yeah. of size. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look in China, they have the most popular EV is the Wuling Mini. And that thing is like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, I'm not really exaggerating by that much. Right. It's like you can barely fit in that car as an adult human being. So, um, so there would be a lot of places that would be perfectly happy to have a car like that, uh, that would have, because this is the, the other thing that I really wanted was the flexibility for it, not just to be used as a passenger vehicle, but also as a kind of cargo hauling vehicle. Mm. So, you know, having the hatchback in the back and having the seats be able to fold flat, 
that was also a really important part of the design because I feel like, especially if it's a robo taxi, you really want it to be flexible. Cause you know, like if you don't own a car anymore and you want to go to home Depot and get a couple of buckets of paint and some paint brushes and some other, you know, right. You, you want, yeah. to, you, you might have a bunch of stuff that you need to put in the back of this vehicle. So, uh, yeah. so as opposed to carrying, and I was also thinking, I was like, well, my goodness, why would you even have to go to Lowe's? You could just call, you know, you go online and you figure out what you want to order, send the car there to pick up the stuff and have it delivered to your house. So you wouldn't even have to leave the house. You know, if that kind of thing worked out, yeah, that'd be pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, um, in terms of rollout, so when you see this next generation platform, let's say Tesla designs it, it's des they're designing it right now, let's say into 2023, um, usually it doesn't take you know, more than probably, you know, what, one to two years for Tesla to design, you know, uh, new vehicles. Right. And so let's say by the end of next year, they're wrapping up their design of um, this new vehicle. Um, right. And let's say they could hypothetically start production by the end of 2024 um, right. and ramp in 2025. What, do you think they, they will add a steering wheel or have no steering wheel like, <laughs> see one one avenue is you you say okay let's add a steering wheel and let's um uh well let's add a steering wheel and let's sell it as a passenger vehicle to people right so they could drive right. and eventually right. go road with taxi another angle right. is say let's use it as a fleet vehicle and only yeah. roll it out to jurisdictions and places where we own you know the the car and everything and i guess you still probably would need, need steering wheel for the time being you know um yeah, Pro probably it depends, but um, the idea would be more of a like a slower rollout, maybe where you go only you scale accordingly to how you scale RoboTaxi, right? Um, right. It's really right. just all in on on full self driving versus yeah. Yeah. this other option is let's sell it also, you know, as a passenger vehicle and sell millions to people. Right? Wh what's your kind of take on those two type of um, options there? Well, I can tell you the way that I would do it, but I can tell you that Tesla doesn't think the way I do. I'm, yeah. I'm a very conservative person in general. And so I would be like, build it with the steering wheels and like ramp it up slowly and do all of that kind of stuff and, and, you know, hedge your bets and play safe. But anybody who knows any of Elon Musk's companies, that is not the way he rolls. <laughs> I mean, the whole Twitter saga right now is he's clearly he's just like yeah. dumping money into a very risky situation. So um, so I just wouldn't be surprised at all. And I'm thinking that's one of the reasons they haven't announced this vehicle yet, because it's been several years and they could have easily said this is what it is. But I think that the design keeps changing. I have a feeling that some skunk works place that they have a bunch of these things that they've made uh, and, and they're like, could yeah. this do this? But that they don't really want to commit to a final design until they know if full self driving is going to work. Uh, you know, like, let's say that. Or when it's place, going to work. Like they know it's yeah, going to work. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, when it's going to work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Something like that. But, but let's say that tomorrow um, Alameda, California says, yeah, we're going to allow full self driving rides. Like autonomous rides where the the, pa the the person in the vehicle is not responsible for the vehicle anymore. If that happened and it was successful for a few months, that's the point at which I believe that Tesla would go like, here's our design. Um, because then they would know. They'd say like, okay, now it's just a question of scaling it out to everybody else agreeing to this. <laughs> but, you know, it's also a Tesla. So, I mean, maybe – Maybe March 15th of 2023, they're just going to go for it and announce this thing and say, yep, this is what we're going to do. And in two years, we'll have this car and it's not going to have a steering wheel. And 
and hope for the best, you know, hope that everything works that way. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's just what Tesla is, what Tesla is, what SpaceX is, what all these companies do. They just, they go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just see what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, you think that like typically with cars, you go the conservative route, but, right. um, <laughs> yeah, Elon is, uh, yeah. And Tesla is different. Um, <laughs> as he says, success is one of the possible outcomes. <laughs> so <there you> go. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you think they'll have different versions of this? Like, I mean, you, your your design is kind of centered more on this, you know, bare bones, you know, stainless right, steel, right. single motor, motor, just one variant, yeah. right? Which makes sense. Um, right. But do you think they would have like a robo taxi version that's like that, stainless steel, and then a passenger version that, I don't know. Would But the thing is, if stainless steel is like that much cheaper and more durable, right. Would they even would there even be a use case right for, you know, right. um, steel body panels? And, and I mean, again, think of how durable this car is. If you yeah. were purchasing a car, if somebody said you can drive a, a literal million miles on this car, <laughs> and it's not going to rust, you're not going to have dings when people like you know sniff, smack their doors into it or when stuff falls off trucks in front of you. Uh, if it has that bulletproof glass like the Cybertruck does, I mean, this yeah. thing's going to be pretty indestructible if it's built that way. So. Tesla could easily sell those cars. And I think that is a good way of hedging their bets. So yeah. what I could see is perhaps China might make one model mm -hmm. and Berlin might make one model or someplace in Europe, you know, they might open a new factory and then America, North America might make one model. And they, those three might not be identical to each other. But let's say if you lived in the United States and you wanted the ultra compact car for less money, you could get one imported from Shanghai. Uh, uh -huh. it, it, and then Europe, they would make one that was tailored. I mean, they've talked about this before, so it's not like I'm yeah. going off the rails here, but, um, but all based on the same basic shape. And so it's like, okay, so this one's a little more stretched out. This one's a little thinner, a little skinnier. So it will fit into like really narrow streets and small parking places. So uh, that I could definitely see that they might have sort of like three geographical ones, and 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 then if you wanted one that was from outside of that area, you would have to import them. But that would be a relatively small percentage of vehicles that people would purchase. Yeah, yeah. Um, take a step back. Yeah. How how close do you think Tesla is to um, releasing FSD <clears throat> in a robo taxi where there is no human driving? Um, do you have a do you have a kind of a time frame timeline that you're estimating or guesstimating? <laughs> well, I've called I've called the end of 2022 a lot of times, but <laughs> now that's 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 a technology demonstration state. So full self-driving 11, which just apparently popped out for a few employees at this point, but that's a pretty major thing. So I think, you know, I think realistically I need to dial it back by about six months at this point because it's been a lot slower than I thought it was going to yeah. be this year. But let's say so the middle of 2023, so like 2023. Once they have the technology in place, there's still going to be a period of time before they have enough data to show regulators that this is safe. Yeah. Uh, so I think that'll be a big thing. And and I also think full, I think Tesla's insurance is, it has a big role to play in that. Um, I can't remember who I was talking to, but there was a person I was talking to about this uh, several months ago. And I was saying, I don't know if regulators are going to do it. And he said to me, he was like, look, this is all about insurance. 
He's like, if somebody is there and willing to pony up the bucks if there's an accident, it's going to be okay. Now, it could be a public relations disaster too, but in terms yeah. of the actual regulatory framework, he's like, as soon as insurance companies, and Tesla has its own insurance company, and they're data-driven, as soon as they feel like this is safe enough that it's going to cost them less than the policies would cost – then they can just, you know, they can fire it up and they can pressure somebody, somebody in the United States or someplace is going to want to be first because it's kind of a big, I was saying, you know, I always throw at Tulsa, Oklahoma. I have no idea why, but you know, some city is going to be like, we want to be the first ones. We'll, we'll probably in Arizona, I think, I think they're very, yeah. very loose about their regulations, but anyway, somebody's going to want to be first. So they'll allow it to happen. Clarify what you mean by six months out. Like, what do you expect Tesla's FSD beta to be at? Um, is that... Are you saying that Tesla in six months or so can, um, the FSD car can drive safer than an average human or even significantly safer than an average human without a human? Or, I mean, that's pretty aggressive. The timeline is kind of surprising because right. I'm expecting kind of <laughs> further out, but what, what's, uh, what's right. your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I had originally said end of 2022, so I'm 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 extending it. But again, it's not that they're going to have regulatory approval for this, but, um, but that the car... So if Tesla can collect data, which doesn't include humans intervening. So I don't know how many drives you do that you don't intervene at all. I hardly do any because most of the time I take over because I get like annoyed because <laughs> it's not quite going fast enough or doing something like that. Yeah. So it's not usually a safety issue. But if Tesla can put together like complete rides. So this person drove five miles through city traffic, did a bunch of left-hand turns that were unprotected. If they can collect a bunch of data that shows that, and then then you can do an apple to, apples to apples comparison, right? You can't do that if the person can intervene at any point, but if they can prove like this entire drive was done with no interventions, yeah. which should happen more and more frequently, the better the software gets because we humans don't go like, oh crap, I better take over. Yeah. But once they have complete drives and a significant number of those, and they can prove statistically that there's, you know, there's a, a statistical significance. I was saying one standard deviation above the average human driver. But, you know, you take the average human driver just in terms of accident rate, things like that, and you yeah. prove statistically that Tesla vehicles are driving safer than that, then regulators will approve it. So what I'm saying is somewhere around the middle of 2023 now that we're going to get to the point where they can start collecting that data to prove that. And of course, the software will keep improving, so it should keep getting better and better. So that's what I'm saying. It's the beginning of that process should be able to happen by then. Okay. Okay. Let's. Okay. I want to. I want to clarify this a little bit more. So, absolutely. Um, so I, I've been thinking about this framework of like you take the average 15, 20 minute city drive. Um, of course, right. it varies greatly, but let's just say, you know, in the middle average. Um, right now, I feel in my personal experience that I could do good two or three intervention free drives um, before t on average there's like an intervention. So maybe there's right. an intervention every like two to four drives for me, right? right. Like, um, and I think what Tesla needs to do is um, the next kind of big jump, I mean, this is a big jump like from a year ago, like it was hard to right. do like even one oh, intervention gosh, yeah. free yeah, drive yeah, in an yeah. in a average city environment, right? You could do like right. an right. a, a easy environment. But so this is yeah. a huge jump. I think the next step is Tesla. I think this happens next year where, where Tesla gets to 10 to 100 intervention free drives in a row on average, like, right. you know, 
15, 20 minutes average city drive. Right. And I think that's right. going to be a huge jump. People are going to notice it big time. But yeah. I think it's still far off. Um, okay. and I think you think we need... that the moment when it can do that is still far off? No, no, no. I think it's next no. year we do that. Oh, oh okay, but okay. I think it's still that level of, of safety and driving is still very far off from a robotaxi. And the reason oh. why I say that is, is I think the next level is a, a hundred to a thousand drives um, that you could do without right. an intervention, right? right? And let's say an average drive is, you know, 10 miles or so. That's basically, right. you know, if you do one intervention per thousand drives, that's about one intervention for every 10,000 miles. Um, right. To me, that's getting to the level where we need to be at um, to really okay. start proving yeah. out that. And it all depends on how safely you can manage that one intervention out of a thousand drives, right? If it's catastrophic, then that's not good, right? right. But if you can manage right. that one intervention out of a thousand drives in a safe way, most of the time, like 95 right. or 99% of the time, then you get this statistic of, okay, maybe one out of every hundred interventions, there's an accident. So then you right. could, you know, you can make <laughs> and a you're case looking at hundreds of thousands of miles between yeah yeah, yeah which yeah, which so. eventually you're going to need you're going to have to right sh show a better accident rate than you know the average human but you know right better than that um so i i don't see i don't see this i mean this i i hear i hear this like oh next year next year but to me next year is a big jump but it's still right. far from the thousand intervention-free drives okay. in a row that we need. So, right? so uh, yeah. there's a couple of things. Num number one, of course, is that we have to be careful to separate out like intervention-free regular drivers versus robo-taxis. Because I think you're right that the standard for robo-taxi is going to be much higher than hands-free driving. Mm -hmm. or, or not even hands-free, but just basically you're not responsible for the vehicle. But you still are in the driver's seat. Like maybe you're required to be in the driver's seat and it would give you a 10-second warning and be like, baby, you know, start paying attention now. Something along those lines. So I think that that could certainly happen first, right? Before the Because when a robotaxi, nobody's responsible for the car and nobody's in the driver's seat, might yeah. not have a steering wheel. That would be a problem. So that could happen much earlier. But the other thing about robotaxis is consider uh what's the town is it chandler arizona yeah it's you know yeah, or, or something like that yeah. right so you've got a town that's a grid it's just a square grid yeah. it's sunny all the time between the hours of x and y so take away rush hour traffic you know kind of like what Cruz and what waymo have done they you know they started off being able to do their drives at very specific hours in very specific geofenced areas I, I don't see you know if you get this car up to being able to do in those circumstances that's easy driving for these things, right? Straight lines, really good visibility, hardly ever any bad weather, um, you know, and and probably you're going three or four miles or something between pickup and drop off. So the it doesn't have to be like everything, everything everywhere all at once, right? You don't have to yeah. be able to do all of that. So I agree with you that in order for Tesla just to have sort of blanket approval in a country, um, it would have to have something like yeah. 500,000 to a million miles between accidents. But, but, um, yeah, but I think, I think it could do the easy stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, so yeah. So my, my kind of, um, uh, grid here is, is yeah. the intervention, if you can do an average of 10 to hundred trips intervention free, <clears throat> um, right. It's, it's a great, uh, driving aid, but it's yes. not safe enough to put on the streets without a human driver 
overseen. Right. That's my kind of right. my grid. From a hundred to a thousand uh, intervention free drives on average, I think that's the stage where you you can start experimenting on kind of safer neighborhoods or jurisdictions. Um, and right. you have to learn how to manage certain interventions. That's kind of this gray area where you could start, you could perhaps start to experiment if you choose to, if you want to, right? right. Um, right. Or you could wait, you know, later on where it gets safer and safer. Um, because right. every six months, this thing is going to get a lot, you know, right. safer. Right? So, <laughs> so I even wonder yeah. a question like, do they even need to, you know, focus on easier jurisdictions? Maybe they try it for a couple yeah. places just to kind of, you know, hash out their, their app and their logistics and different things like that. Right, but right. Um, if every six months there's going to be a, you know, a jump in terms of significant safety, then I don't know if it's worth it. But it seems to me this around, I don't know what it is, but I think 100 intervention drives in a row is, is, is still too low to, if, you know, release it in most environments, obviously. Right. Um, but I, I think, I don't think we're going to get there in the next year. Um, no, not a, not yeah. hundred, not by any chance. Yeah. But the other the other thing is like the failure mode on those drives. Yeah. Like that's the other thing that people don't talk about a lot. But it's like, what does the Tesla vehicle do when it? Because inevitably, even we humans end up in situations yeah. sometimes where we're like, oh crap, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know. And and you, you pull over to the side of the road and you do something, right? There's a graceful failure mode that humans have, and. I think that, that Tesla would have to demonstrate that too. Yeah. It's like when it goes out of spec, when it doesn't know what it's doing anymore, here's what it's going to do. These are the steps it will take to, to, to get itself out of that situation. And even if that means just pulling over and parking and turning on the hazard lights, that's okay, right? As long as it's in a safe place. The, the, um, okay, so the problem so yeah. I have with the failure mode uh, kind of angle is I think theoretically that was like the – the idea of it felt like in in kind of legacy autonomous driving kind of paradigm and thought that that was you have level one two three four you know once you get right. to four you get these graceful failover modes where you know that the car right. can drive and you know pull over do something alert the driver or something take over right. etc <laughs> yeah um, but in actually driving right fsc beta on the streets um there's a good amount of situations that you you only have a second, you know, oh, or less yeah. less than yeah, a second. Yeah. It's like you're turning onto a street and it just is making the wrong move, or something's happened where you, you right. need that, you know, less than a half less than a second of reaction time. And I don't right. see how you have a failover mode if you have you know half of a second to to avoid an accident. Well, I mean, it would have to be beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we would have to be beyond the state where it made really dumb mistakes like but that. The thing is that's, and I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. But that's actually agree. a good portion of the mistakes. I don't know how you can ever be rid of those type of mistakes completely. Like yeah. that compromises a decent portion of the mistakes, right? FSD makes. So that's my, 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 I guess, doubt of this whole, I mean, I right. think there will be, uh, needed a, a, a fail, you know, safe failover mode where you can f safely, you know, for example, if it's smog or too much rain or, you know, you can yeah, actually yeah. You, you pull over and you say, we can't do this. Right. But, right. um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, there seems to be a decent amount of cases where you need, FSC just needs to be good. <clears throat> it needs to be really, really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think there's, uh, 
I mean, whatever the timeline is, whether we talk about six months or six years or something, yeah. it's going to progress in terms of, and I think one of the reasons when you look at the release notes is that Tesla a lot of times is working, worrying about smoothness and making sure that it's good for the driver yeah. because what they want is fewer intervention drives, right? It's good for them too, because that way they can show data because a lot of times what will happen is the, the, I always harp on the midterm planner, which is like that. 20 to 30 second thing where it doesn't get into the correct lane that it needs to be in. And then it's like, ah, you know, yeah. and I will often disengage and just go into the lane. Cause I'm like, I don't want to have it miss its turn. Cause you know, so those are, those are just interventions that once Tesla can prevent those and make me as a driver more comfortable that it's going to get into the right lane, it's going to do the right things. It will then, then they can start to rack up these intervention free drives. I think right now, unless I'm specifically filming a video, I'm just like, nah, I'd rather take over. You know, it's not worth the, mm. <laughs> I've yeah. done a couple of videos where the cars missed a turn, had to go around like a neighborhood and come back out. You know, it's like kind of ridiculous. And it's like, nah, I really don't want to do that when I'm commuting to work in the morning. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, so there's a lot of interventions that aren't even critical ones, but Tesla can't prove that they've got intervention-free drives until they get rid of those stupid things. Um, but yeah. then, you know, it also does stuff where it makes a turn and then it's like, whoops, wrong lane, and it switches lanes in the middle of the turn or something. So, yeah. 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 Um, uh, I noticed some uh, version 11, some of the release notes were leaked. Um, right. I, 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 before we, t we recorded, you said you had looked through them a bit. Or you had done a video yeah. actually on it. So yeah, what's the, yeah. what's, is there anything like, um, uh, what's the big takeaway for version 11? Is there any big <laughs> step change on like one specific thing or is it just kind of myriad right. of well, different Well, the problem things? is, okay, so, so not a Tesla app released the, there's two notes that are part of a picture mm -hmm. and those are, I, I mean, 99% <laughs> sure that those are true. But then they released a bunch of other ones. I did the video and I talked about all of them. And then somebody said, hey, that's version 10.11. So <laughs> it was actually old. So the first two, so if you watch my video, the first yeah. two things, which is like half the video is accurate. But the, so I don't know, like there's, I'm sure many, many more release notes. Right. But the big one, of course, is that they're, they've moved from a four-year-old legacy stack on the highway to the full self-driving stack. So the, the, and it even says in the release notes, it's like, this thing was like single frame stuff mm. in the image space, like all of the stuff that they've been talking about though. I mean, think about it. That's 2018. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was before AI, this was before autonomy day. You yeah. know, we're talking about ancient stuff here. So, uh, it's that's, that's the big step change. Got it. Is, is that the, the highway, anything on interstates, um, you know, what do they call that? Limited access yeah. roads or whatever that, that, you know, you get on the merge lane, you get off the mer the exit lane, but that should behave much, much better now. Got it. Um, I hope yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. see yeah. <laughs> very few people have it at this point. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of exciting things. I think, um, yeah, this, right. um, the full self-driving, um, uh, kind of journey slash progress has been super fascinating to watch. Um, in real yeah. time, getting to test it out in your own vehicle, get to see the notes, see what they're working on, how they're approaching right. it, what areas they're trying to work on. You go back in your car, you drive it to see, you know, if it's improving right. or not and how it's improving. Yeah, um, yeah it's like, uh, and we're in this age where this is like, we're in the middle of a crazy AI, you know, renaissance boom. Yeah, And for oh, us gosh, to be crazy. able to 
be in the thick of it, actually testing out hands-on one of the most exciting technologies. It's um, quite fascinating. Yeah, it is. I, I I have to give a lot of props to Tesla. There's not a lot of companies that would do this. For sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I really appreciate it. It's 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 an amazing, like you say, it's an amazing experience. I think it's really worth. I I, I know we're wrapping up, but it's worth noting yeah. one thing, which is that. It's, it, whenever, 10 years from now, so 2032 or something, once this is a solved problem, it's going to be obvious how to solve it. But nobody knows how to solve it right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tesla is doing the best they can following the path that they think is right. But if you look at the past three or four years, they've changed tax a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so it may be that this version is not the correct version either. And it may take another couple of years after that. So until the problem is solved, nobody knows how to solve it. So, you know, when people complain and they're like, oh, I wish this would work better or something, it's like, just remember, <laughs> we don't have the benefit of jumping forward 10 years and going like, well, how did this work? And then jumping back in time, you know, that would be yeah. lovely if we could do that. But yeah. until then, we just don't know. And so it seems like Tesla's methodology is the best one and it has the by far the best chance of success. But until it's a solved problem, it's anybody's guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems to me like Tesla is doing um, the right approach. Um, based right. upon how they're progressing and improving. Um, yeah. But even conceptually, like you get a ton of data um, from your fleet, you throw a ton of compute on it, um, and you have some of the smartest AI people, you know, right. basically try out a bunch of different ways to, you know, <laughs> right. to improve a bunch of different things. And you're going to, you know, get somewhere. Um, but it, it's, it's impressive that... Um, the speed at which uh, Tesla is um, able to um, adapt and change their approach. So, you know, right. starting from just images to, you know, to videos, bird eyes view, 3D reconstruction, all these different progressions. Um, and they're doing it right. like in a year or something, you know, it's like flip their whole, right. whole right. stack, right? Have to retrain everything. Yeah. And it's just, um, <laughs> Well, yeah. and that's uh, I actually did a video on 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 Tesla's data engine and how insane it is because yeah. the whole thing is that they don't even store all the they yeah. you know when they went from like the processed video in the cameras to the raw photon counts they had to discard everything <laughs> yeah yeah and and anybody who works in the AI space that would give you like you know they'll turn your hair gray <laughs> you know that's like holy crap I've spent all this time building this huge data set and now throw it away and and start over again that's that's terrifying and and most most companies a lot of researchers wouldn't do that you know so you just have to give Tesla a lot of props yeah. for for being willing to do these kind of crazy things and try these different things and say nope that didn't work okay what about this you know <laughs> yeah um yeah so the past you know few weeks obviously tesla stock price twitter all this stuff is like you know all over the yeah. place but um so i had a i have a a friend uh, who calls me um occasionally whenever the stock price is really down <laughs> because oh, he owns tesla stock a decent right. amount but he doesn't follow the company religiously he just kind of right looks at some headlines occasionally so he calls right. me and goes dave what's going on with tesla stock right um <laughs> is it is yeah. it twitter <laughs> is it is it right like, what's going on and then i'm like uh yeah you know you know elon did sell and you know whatever there's a bunch of stuff going on right. but um his whole thing is like he's like he, I want to say he panics, but he gets emotional where he's like, should I sell? Should I sell? Right. And, and so I'm like, I'm always telling, I'm always telling and saying, you know, just chill for now. And, um, 
but I had to explain like, uh, do you, like Tesla's doing like some crazy stuff with AI. And it's funny because right. he didn't, I talked to him often too, or every six months when he panics, but he literally didn't know almost anything Tesla's doing with AI. And wow, he's like, uh, you mean they're, they've improved autopilots, you know, since four <laughs> or five years ago. I'm like, uh, right. they're not just improving it. <laughs> um, <laughs> they have, they have one of the most ambitious, you know, uh, <laughs> right. projects ever with physical real world, world AI. He's like, uh, yeah. what, what do you mean? You know? And so right. I had to go back. I'm like, you know, all of Tesla's cars have their full self-driving computer, even if they're not subscribed or purchased the FSD option, they're collecting right. data. And Tesla's able to send these triggers and, you know, they have hundreds if not thousands of triggers where they're looking for these really difficult edge cases where the right. cars can, you know, capture those edge cases and videos, send them back to headquarters. Headquarters will then take these video clips, do this 3D reconstruction on a supercomputer, label all of the <laughs> objects and things going on in that video clip by themselves without humans, and then, you know, train, you know, um, their computer off of all these clips and they'll do this like constantly. And he's like, what in the world is, he was like shocked. He's like, <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute. Like what if the government tells, you know, get, gets data from Tesla of like where everyone's located. And he was just kind of freaking out a bit, but I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. think you worry about that part. But the whole right. idea that, um, that a Tesla, a person following Tesla, um, not religiously, but you know, from distance has yeah. no idea what Tesla's doing AI wise. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's interesting um, that I think the story of Tesla AI is still like under the cover. It's not being highlighted, right? Um, right. Tesla still, even they have AI day, it's just a small, tiny, tiny sliver of people who watch that stuff or even oh, care yeah. about that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's gonna be one of the most, I think, impactful technologies uh, in the next decade right. with transportation and then moving it's, on to it's, Optimus. It's, it was really interesting because I am in this space and I make videos about this, but as you were describing that process, I was going like, that's crazy. Nobody does that, <laughs> right? So I was literally yeah. listening to you describe things that I already knew. And I was like, that just doesn't make logical sense. So I think that's the reason why. I think I think your friend is not an outlier. It's just that it they're doing stuff that's so ambitious and so outrageous that it's just difficult to understand that that's there is a that somebody's actually doing that in the world it sounds like science fiction when you talk about it yeah it's crazy yeah yeah, yeah definitely so, um yeah. and then once tesla solves fsd people will be like how did they do that right <laughs> because right. They, they weren't following it uh, along the process right. and it's gonna right. yeah it's gonna be crazy um yeah but yeah um yeah I'm, this fsd stuff i think it's um I like focusing it on focusing on it even more during times where there's lots of noise because if if you have short if you're needing Tesla to be at a, the stock price to be at a certain price in the next couple right. of years, yes, then all a lot of the stuff does matter. But right. um, if you don't need it to be at a certain price in the next few years, and you're more you know dependent on the long term, then a lot of Tesla's future is going to be determined based off of their success or their failure on FSD, right? They're really um, betting um, a big part of their future on this and investing yeah. a lot. Well, so, I mean, look at Optimus, the, the Tesla bot yeah. can't work without basically FSD. <laughs> I mean, it's the robot yeah. version of it, but it, it, it also needs that to be functioning. Although honestly, I think that's an easier problem because <laughs> it's not, it's not a 3,500 pound vehicle traveling at 75 miles an hour. Right. So, yeah. so I think it actually has an easier time 
but uh, but yeah, a lot of the company's future depends on this software. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, John. Uh, nice chatting and uh, catching yeah. up and talking about yeah, you uh, too. The future RoboTaxi platform, FSD status, right. and things going <laughs> yeah. on. Um, yeah, go ahead, uh, folks. Uh, check out John's channel, Doctor Know It All. Um, you're at forty five thousand, but you're shooting for fifty thousand subscribers by the end of the year. Is right. that the goal? Uh, I don't know about the end of the year. That would be okay. lovely if people want to subscribe. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, but yeah. I'm gonna do. I've got something in my mind for a hundred thousand if I ever get there, okay. but I have to figure out something stupid to do at fifty thousand. So if anybody <laughs> wants to throw out some suggestions, by all means. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah. We'll uh, see. And in the meantime, you have fun traveling. It sounds like it's uh, you're having a great time. So yeah, yeah. Showing the yeah. kids the world. Yes, that's awesome. Yes. Exciting right. place we live in, guys. All right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Take care, John. Have, have a good day. Have a good day. All right, we'll see you. Bye bye. Bye.